Welcome back to Scouring the Depths, the show where we delve deep into the dark, endless, lonely. <laughs> yes, very lonely. Very lonely. <laughs> the loneliest chasm known as heavy music. Uh, shit. My name is Joseph. And I'm Nathan. We are your hosts. And we welcome you to part two of our Post Metal Essentials miniseries. Um, yeah, we're rolling right along, right around. It's we we just got caught up on the lonely bit. Yeah, so because <laughs> it's uh, very apt. The loneliest chasm. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're eventually going to start the episode. <laughs> okay, all right. So previously on scouring the depths. We kicked everything off by talking about Neurosis Through Silver and Blood and Isis Panopticon. Two records that I think established the uh, the blueprint for post-metal and the shape of it to come. And I think with the two albums we're talking about today and what else would follow from here on in our mini-series, I feel like kind of exemplify the different deviations on post-metal and uh, sort of the, the ways that other bands would kind of expand on the sound yeah and you'll you'll definitely hear um in these next two records especially kind of the the breadth um of this entire subgenre because it just seems to be all-encompassing um which is i feel like none of the bands on this list uh of albums that we we're going to be talking about and, and artists that we're going to be talking about um really have much overlap i would say yeah. I mean, the, the there are there's obviously some um and just in the in the structure of how things are and stuff but all of them put out put out such stellar individual um and unique characteristics that further this subgenre and i think um that's what makes this so special yeah and i think that's kind of what earns it the uh the post tag you know, it feels like it's very much uh, you can draw the lines back to, you know, like Neurosis and Isis, but they definitely kind of continue moving forward. And I think, yeah, where we go from here will kind of serve as to why that is. Yeah. And uh, the, this, these albums we're going to be talking about today are, are two absolute bangers. And mm-hmm. I'm super excited to talk about these guys today. So, yeah um any anything before we jump into this well um i'll just go ahead and say right off the back that uh if you're listening right now and you don't follow us on instagram or on twitter go check us out over there at scouring pod uh it's where you can keep up to date with our favorite new releases of every week when new episodes drop of course and uh yeah you can see uh all sorts of other things there so definitely give us a follow there and tell your friends if they might be uh into this shit too yeah if you're lonely like us um <laughs> come, come, <laughs> come listen and uh, follow us um on those social media platforms it's pretty fun yeah so <laughs> yeah. it's a uh, yeah not it's letting a, this one go when you're here your family um <laughs> Twist soap and a Corona. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
onto onto the business today. Uh, in this chapter of Post Metal Essentials, we are of course talking about Cult of Luna's "Somewhere Along the Highway" and the Ocean or the Ocean Collective's "Precambrian." Uh, we'll be starting off with the former first. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, if you want to kick a kick this off, why don't you uh, tell us uh, about your kind of exposure to this band? Um, I know you just had their latest album as your album of the year of last year. Yeah. But uh, yeah, where did you first hear of Cult of Luna and this record too? Um, so Cult of Luna has been a pretty special band for me for uh, quite a while now. Um, like probably a third of my life. <laughs> um, just thinking about this album in particular that we're going to be talking about today, but then the albums that would come out you know, before and since. Um, but my first kind of exposure to Cult of Luna, I believe, was Vertical, which um, came out, I believe, in 2013, around that time period. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I wasn't super familiar with post-metal in general because I was listening to Isis around the same time, and that really was like the band that really kicked off my love of that genre. Yeah. So I started getting a little bit more expansive and wanted to definitely check out more bands that are like it. Mm-hmm. And um, the album that we're going to talk about today, somewhere along along the highway, came up, and so did uh, I knew that they were coming out with a new album too, with Vertical, mm-hmm. and so I was really excited about that. And um, yeah, um, I would say Vertical is probably my s- stepping stone for this band, um, but it would soon become like a, a you know a very um, a habit of mine to listen to these guys and like I can't put them away because of how much I enjoyed the the soundscape that they would I know we talked last time about kind of what post metal was yeah and I know we mentioned cinematic and mm-hmm. this band might be the most cinematic of the bunch yeah yeah and so and that's the reason why it probably s- sticks with me the, the but the sheer fact that we were able to see them in concert um and then just continue to, I feel like, only improve. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hard to do, especially when we're talking about this album that we're talking about today. Um, but what about yourself? What was your exposure to Cult of Luna? I think the first record of theirs that I've heard in full was uh, their collaborative album with Julie Christmas, Mariner. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was incredible. And uh, still to this day is probably my favorite thing that they've but with favorite thing favorite thing that they've done um but you know they've made some great records since then and they've obviously made some uh, some great stuff before that as well um but yeah i think that's kind of where i first heard of them or i'd probably heard about them before but that's when i finally just like all right i'm gonna just really dive into to one of these records and uh yeah that album for sure is definitely a journey and i feel that it's a really interesting juxtaposition when talking about this album because it's a much more i feel kind of stripped back approach to this style definitely more somber yeah definitely because if if anyone is familiar with cult luna and their just their discography in general um, this is, I think, their fourth album, um, and I, I want to say their first record was is, was quite heavy, 
and um, definitely had that kind of neurosis sound to it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then as as kind of gotten to this like Salvation, which is the album that came out before this one, and they kind of discovered kind of the sound that they would be going towards. Yeah. And this is the album that, um, man, I might be wrong. I feel like Salvation might be after this. Now I don't know. Let's, I want Joey to check, but anywho, look here. it is definitely the album that put them on the map, um, on the road, I suppose, if you would like to play with the title. Um, but yeah, this is a, this is an album that definitely has that strip back quality that you were talking about. Yeah. Salvation was before. Yeah. Okay. So this, I believe is their fourth. Yes. So, yeah. So I was right on that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Ta-da. Oh Yeah. <laughs> Insert that little silly sound effect. Mm-hmm. I feel like we haven't heard it in a second. So yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody, get ready. All right, here we go. All right, and now here's a little roll call. The band at this time includes Thomas Headland on drums and percussion, Andreas Johansson on bass, Frederick Kielberg on guitar and vocals. Magnus Lindbergh on drums, recording and mixing, Eric Olafsson on guitar, Johannes Persson on guitar, vocals, and lyrics, and uh, Anders Tegland on keyboards and electronics. Yeah, and um, this album, yeah, I know you mentioned Frederick um, Kilberg. Um, this was the first album that he was on, and okay. he was the one who's done all the clean vocals that would okay. soon kind of map out what Cult of Luna would, would do in, in the future when they're yeah. with their kind of hushed yeah. t- tones. and Yeah, the song... Um, yeah, the song... Uh, what's the title again? And With Her Came the Birds. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the... Probably the first sort of, like, clean sung song that, they, that mm-hmm. they've done. And it definitely kind of breaks the... It's a really good centerpiece to to this album for sure. Yeah, because I mean, this album that I mean, the freaking opening of "Marching to the Heartbeats" is is into Finland is is definitely like, well, you know, it grabs your attention. I feel like is is like a, a true highlight of the album. Yeah, yeah. Is I mean, that's I mean, you could say that about a lot of albums. Really, is like those first few tracks are really what make or break. I feel like most albums, at least people's attention spans toward them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, Finland is one of my like favorite all time cult Luna songs. Yeah. It's a great track. So, um, I mean, it, it definitely gets you, it gets you going. So yeah, draws um, you in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this has a, this has quite a, a nice array of, of, you know, members and cult Luna has always had a lot of members in their band. Yeah, it's quite a group effort. I remember uh, seeing them when we saw them live. They had two drummers, which yeah. was insane. Yeah, that's I've never seen that before. And I and I highly recommend if you ever get to see Cult of Luna like live. I mean, I I would argue. I think we've mentioned this before. That might be my favorite concert I've ever been to. Yeah, just just from the sheer like gravity of of everything, it just seemed. It all seemed like rare yeah to be there so anyway yeah for sure yeah anyway um as we mentioned this is their fourth record and 
when it comes down to the sort of concept or thematic uh, idea behind the record, um, it revolves around the motif of male loneliness, which is why, which is why I had mentioned, uh, you know, that was my word choice at the That's at the us. top of the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. When we talk about this record, we're headed to the the loneliest chasm. Um, but yeah, this one is said by the band to be a little bit less polished and more stripped down in their sound. And um, yeah, it kind of has that sort of, I don't know what the right word would be to describe it really. I don't want to say like Western because I feel like that's a little too American, like Americana to say, to call it yeah, like Western. It just seems, but to me, I think it just seems really honest. Yeah. Like it just, I mean, the stripped down talk, I think is a good way to put it. It just seems very, um, I mean, it's apt in the name itself too. It just seems like a, an album that has a journey. Yeah. You know, and yes. you're about to go on one of those journeys when you listen to this album and it definitely weighs on you um, mm-hmm. quite a bit. And I think that's another thing I don't think we mentioned too much about in the last episode, but I want to say that I feel like post metal in general has so much emotion yeah. backed into yeah. what you're listening to. And like there's there's reasons why songs are eight to 15 minutes long because you're, you're going through an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. It's meant to like kind of carry the weight of those feelings. Like, uh, you know, a few other styles really can. And yeah, I think that's pretty bold choice and like, you know, pretty ambitious to, to do and probably difficult to pull off. Yeah. Make you feel honestly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> not the uh the nice fun thrash bang your head kind of mm-hmm. like you know fun go on a really crazy drive or anything yeah. like that like that that's fun and all but like this this is stuff that like you can sit around and be like i can kind of feel something yeah <laughs> with this yeah like uh you know the idea of uh of like loneliness and like I think the title somewhere along the highway kind of refers to like the highway as like your, like your life timeline sort of. And it kind of feels like a very reflective and kind of, you know, um, you know, there's like a feeling of loss and like longing and guilt that kind of permeates through this album, which is very interesting and very unique for, um, for heavy music to to really get into those just like really raw difficult feelings um, as you were saying because it's typically you know a space where you find the uh, songs about zombies <laughs> and uh, you know just uh, just uh, de- you know decomposing but yeah um, I have something here about sort of the the theme of the record to kind of go into it a little bit more um cult of luna albums tend to focus on a theme guitarist eric olafson states in an interview that this release focuses on male loneliness i was very inspired by a book by jm coetzee called the life and times of michael k about a man in south africa with a hair lip 
and the character escapes from everything and lives off the earth eating only pumpkins. Johan had similar ideas for the lyrics about loneliness, and it all has a kind of countryside vibe to it. Hmm. Yeah, it's always hearing him speak about things is really interesting because I've seen interviews with him. Um, and he definitely has a, a visual aesthetic that, you know, that's what I was kind of mentioning with the cinematic kind of conversation is, yeah. I feel like he's one of the biggest creative forces in that band, um, where he comes up with, with pretty heady things or there's some inspirations from fiction and nonfiction that he likes to weave into things. In fact, uh, I know I mentioned vertical, um, and, uh, I don't know if, anyone's ever tried this i think this is how i found on youtube both um vertical and vertical 2 which is a um an ep that came out shortly after vertical Mm -hmm. um actually i think they just released them together on uh just re-released it all together earlier like a few weeks ago or something anywho um there is a montage of that those albums to the movie metropolis from 1927 which is one of my favorite silent movies ever and i know a lot of people who are fans of cinema know what i'm talking about but if you're curious um you can put that album on and watch metropolis and uh it's actually it works pretty well it's kind of like one of those pink floyd dark side of the moon wizard of oz business probably not really a connection at all but i do know that vertical was inspired by you know fritz lang and and the the 1920s and and 30s kind of um, german expressionism with industrial kind of tones to it so um yeah so there's that and uh yeah i I just think it's really interesting because you mentioned like the theme of this album um having such just this crazy story connected to it because like i said it's always been a visual thing for him yeah um i think it's really interesting that you know, um, you describing Vertical in contrast to this album and thinking about Mariner, those three albums thematically cover such diverse ground, you know, like Mariner feels like this space epic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you think about like how grand of a scale that album is on and Vertical, like you mentioned, compared to how stripped down and uh, as it was mentioned in that quote, uh, like country-esque yeah like countryside like heartland kind of like middle of nowhere kind of feel to mm-hmm. it which is super interesting i think it's really cool that they're able to shape shift in that way while still you know being very much uh true to to their sound mm-hmm. and oh sorry go ahead oh no i was just agreeing with you oh, okay <laughs> um but anyway thinking about kind of the themes and like sort of the, the like kind of the lyrics and everything, it made me draw a connection to a film that I don't know if you guys listening to this might know of this, of this movie, but uh, it's the film Paris, Texas by the mm. vendors. Um, just like kind of feeling like that, uh, you know, middle of nowhere kind of, neo-western vibe paired with like the lyrics about loneliness and about the loss of someone uh that was important to you and kind of the guilt that comes from that i feel 
draws some very like very like good parallels between uh or to that movie because um it follows a man who is basically just like walking along like this sort of desert wasteland alone and then he gets like discovered by this family and they take him in and they kind of learn more about him and you learn about this relationship that he had with this woman and at the very end of the movie he finally is able to find her and confront her and have this sort of uh they both basically just kind of bear their souls to one another mm-hmm. after just like this extended period of time a lot of years yeah yeah and uh yeah it's an incredible movie if um you're interested in seeing it definitely check it out um seconded very yeah. incredible film yeah but and uh yeah that's just where my mind went to when kind of looking into this album and listening to it uh yeah, yeah. No, I, I like the parallel and um yeah I, like kind of like you were saying like it if you're if you're a fan of this this album i i would i would bet that you would probably you might enjoy paris texas mm-hmm. so um really great mu- movie uh, that a lot of people um really don't know about as much as but they probably should but yeah yeah um yeah other than that i think cult of luna is is very interesting um where the, in this place during this time because as you'll probably notice with some of the things we're going to be talking about this time is like rife with like post-metal like this is like this is the like the golden era of that time Mm -hmm. is the the mid to late 2000s is kind of when this kicked off like really strong yeah because obviously we had mentioned neurosis in 1996 and then earlier with panopticon in 2004 but it really wasn't until around this time where it started like really like the mid 2000s where it started really kicking into gear yeah it's a, a more of a like a boom with like all these different bands starting to really gain traction yeah, and critical acclaim and stuff. And a lot of people early on with Cult of Luna were definitely a little bit like, oh, this sounds exactly like ISIS mm-hmm. kind of a thing. And, you know, they, they surely pro- proved that they sound like themselves. Yeah. You know, and this record, I think, is very much, uh, you know, a, a completely unique uh work mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's it's a great one and i definitely definitely recommend uh you checking this one out it's a it's a it's a great journey it's definitely one um where hopefully you can learn something about yourself while you listen to it yeah um you know it's that's 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 kind of the power of this album yeah i mean there aren't too many metal albums out there that really make you think that way which obviously like that's that's fine but you know i think uh should definitely be celebrated uh just with on account of how how rare that can be Mm -hmm. got anything else you want to say about uh, this one in particular i think that's a wrap on that one well i we're going to move from from one album that has a, a lot of members to an album that has so many members it's not even funny it's not um, funny. at least in this particular record because this is the record that would switch um the ocean collective into the ocean yeah it would be soon after this album is when they decided to like you know what maybe we should scale back some <laughs> um 
because <laughs> I, I know you're pulling up the roll call and mm-hmm. it's going to be a it's going to be a it's going to be a doozy <laughs> exactly yeah um first before we jump into that though do you um have much exposure with the ocean well i actually remember you telling me about them um i don't think i'd ever actually heard them before until you had mentioned them to me and i remember a few years ago when um they just recently put out two albums that are thematically linked, which mm-hmm. are the the da, 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 da. Phenerozoic albums. Ah, yes. Um, in 2018, they released Phenerozoic one, Paleozoic, and then in 2020, Phenerozoic two, Mesozoic, and Cenozoic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember you and I we just saw a movie. Um, Thursday, the Thursday that this dropped, uh, we saw Suspiria. Yeah. We saw the opening night of Suspiria, the Luca Guadagnino film. And, uh, that night it was like, you know, it got out pretty late and then you just were like, Hey, uh, when we get to your place, can we just listen to this? And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm cool with that. And so we just hung out in my living room and we just listened to it and it was super cool. Yeah, no, I remember that night pretty well, too, because, yeah, there was this album I was incredibly hyped for because the album that came out before this, Pelagial, was like a really big breakthrough for them um, because they had um, crafted together an album that seemed to be so... um, (laughs) We'll we'll talk more about the ocean and how they craft things, but it, it is wild to me to talk about a band that has such crazy and heady ideas. Yeah. Um, and really focus on it on each album they put out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, I know you mentioned, um, the Phanerozoic and, um, Phanerozoic two. Yeah. And so, you know, these are actually sequels to Precambrian. Oh, which is one of the reasons why I was so excited about this. Uh, is because Precambrian was really the album that put them on the map. Um, mm-hmm. and this is why we're talking about them back in, in 2007. And it, it took nearly 11 years for them to revisit it and kind of come up with something unique with it. And it's kind of like uh, Between the Barrier to Me doing Colors 2 later yep, on. Yep. Yeah. And Colors 2 is fantastic too. So Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. So yeah, so little little fun fact about Precambrian before we it's jump little, into it. It's a little tidbit mm-hmm. for you. Um, yeah, I'll definitely be referring back to you as the the oceanographer between <laughs> between the two of us. Are you ready for the the role? <laughs> yeah, um, we have all the people who are involved in this. All right. So first on drums we have Torga Liebman. Uh, Robin Stops on guitar and percussion. Uh, Matt Beals on guitar. Mike Pilot on bass. Um, Hannes Hufkin on bass. Uh, Nico Webers on vocals and Meta on vocals. Um, and then there's a very, very long list of additional, yes. uh, additional I was musicians. I wondering when you would 
when you'd be like, mm, maybe I shouldn't be listing all of them. Oh, because sure. yeah. <laughs> this album is divided into two parts. Yeah, it's a it's a double album, right? Yeah. And those first um I think it's five tracks. Yes, five tracks are the all of the different band members that were are more or less not a part of the ocean as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, but all those different session members doing different things. Interesting. Um, and then the second half of the album would be like the ocean we would know today, mm-hmm. at least in terms of like the direction they would go. Yeah. Um, but obviously, I still have that that really gritty and kind of like sludgy. Yeah. Beginning. That- which- yeah, that first album, it definitely has like an early Mastodon feel to it, or it feels kind of like something that like like Death Wish would put out in, in like the early 2010s or, or mid 2000s. Relapse, Relapse Records would yeah. put something out like that. Yeah, which was super interesting, especially considering, you know, how the the rest of the uh, the album would go or the the other side of it, I guess. Yeah, no, it I these these are all bangers in the first half yeah like yeah like in fact the there's there's different like guitar tones that just like the riffs really kick in mm-hmm. in this particular one and like you were saying mastodon like i i'm thinking of one song in particular the fourth one mezzo archean um that just starts off with like a and it just like it's just like such a groove that you're just like you just kick it kicked in and you're like you know what I, I like this. Yeah. Um, before we really jump much into the tracks, do you know about kind of the names and whatnot about them? Um, well, I kind of feel that they're sort of related to like archaeology or maybe just like, you know, the uh, periods of early civilization, maybe something along those lines. <laughs> yeah. So... I mean, it's in the title Precambrian. So yeah. obviously, the the Cambrian period was, um, well, I guess don't don't hear me all the I don't know all the specifics, but it's more or less before pre us humans. Yeah, okay. We're in the Cambrian era. Like we're past that, but I mean, like, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this the each track kind of hits on different phases of the Earth. Okay. And like different time time zones, and so a lot of the songs have different qualities that are attached to like what was going on in that time zone. Okay, um, loosely, you know, um, couldn't speak on them, but that's kind of what has been gathered from that. So, in fact, I mean, I know we mentioned you know the the two latest latest two albums they put out, and they're about to have a new album. Oh, okay. Um, which is fantastic, and I'm yeah. very excited about it. It's actually also connected to this, kind of, in a way. Um, but, like, Pelagial, the album that came out, um, uh, you know, in 2013, I want to say, 2013 or 2014. Let's we'll see here. Um, that album is about... 2013. 2013. It's about the layers of the ocean. Ah. And so, and, and then the ones... The way of water. Exactly. It's Avatar too. Mm-hmm. Um, but each each track is like you're you're submerging yourself in further and further into the ocean and so it gets starts off on a light affair and it gets heavier and heavier. And so they, they have a lot of 
thoughts going into when they're crafting these things. Yeah, there's some really cool ideas out there. Just sort of like how they, you know, play with like form, I guess. Like they, you know, they're very much like the progressive sludge or post metal, but I think the way that they kind of structure their records is very is done with a lot of intent, which is cool. Yeah. And I know I'm jumping all over the place, but like, I, I think the reason why this band really kicked me in gear, actually this, this is the band that made me read Dostoevsky. Oh. Um, so I read the brothers Karamazov because of this, this band. And that was because I listened to anthropocentric and heliocentric, which are two double albums that came out right after pure Cambrian, which are actually albums that a lot of people are not super like, into it's like kind of like baroness's yellow and green uh-huh. kind of in that same vein where like this is a rock yeah album. okay um i really like it a lot mm-hmm. there's a lot of there a lot of experimentation from it they were trying to discover themselves a little bit more um and and play with their the vocalist that they have loic i think is his his name um and uh yeah it's just it's really interesting to think about all their themes that they come up with, but yeah, I have a dumb question though. Yeah, have they ever done an album about dinosaurs? <laughs> I mean, this kind of has some of those periods in it, okay. pre-Cambrian. Okay, so, so yes, kind of. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, well, so that that and then like I guess Phanerozoic is more like that, I suppose, because they have things they have songs called like one of them is called Jurassic. Triassic, I cannot talk. Um, yeah, so there's definitely um, different phases of the Earth that they they tackle. Okay. Um, well, that's good. Yeah, but it's a. Uh, let's get back to Precambrian though, <laughs> yeah, because I know we've been jumping all over the place. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is when they were known as the Ocean Collective. Okay. As you're, you know, you alluded to. Nice. And uh. On top of just the slew of musicians that they have just in the band, um, they also have some guest collaborators here, like uh, including Caleb Schofield, the late, uh, the late and great of Cave In, and Old Man Gloom, as well as Nate Newton of Converge and uh, Dwid Hellion of Ten of Integrity, among others, and uh, musicians from the Berlin Philharmonic. O- Philharmonic Orchestra. Ugh. Hmm. Can't. <laughs> We're both having problems talking today. It's all good. Um, hmm. but yeah, no, you can definitely tell there's a lot of a lot of legwork put into this album. Yeah, like this is this is like I think the reason why people still talk about this album is the fa- the sheer fact of how much craft there is in it. Yeah, yeah, and the amount of the amount of personnel in it, but also just like the, the sheer fact that they, they pull it off mm-hmm. and it's like, it's such a heady concept. Right. And then, and then they, they put it into like a, an album that's pretty much like two hours yeah. long. <laughs> it's it's practically much. two hours long. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's, it's fantastic. And it is such a fun journey to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. And it's probably the most progressive album that we're talking about in this mini series, I think. Um, and it's also probably the one that feels like it kind of, you know, 
uh, hops from different styles the most, I would say. Yeah. Which I mean, is, that, is... that first half is that, like, that sludgy, right. neurosis, Macedon kind of mm-hmm. heavy grind, and then it turns into more of the... Yeah, literally, oh. like, the first track, you like, one of the first things you hear is a saxophone, and it's like, oh, okay, here's the here's the shift. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, actually, that that shift leads to probably one of the most memorable songs on this entire like uh, journey, and that's uh, Ryasin, Ryasian, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like a ten to twelve minute epic. Yeah, that has that saxophone that starts off with it, and it just it goes in so many crazy places that um, they actually they they uh, a few years ago before um, these the, the double album that just hit. You know, mm-hmm. dropped. Um, they redid that song, oh. um, and they edited it to where it kind of had better production on it. And man, it's it's one they play quite often. I would love to see this band. I don't think they even mentioned that they're from Germany, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't mention Cult of Luna from Sweden. Right. So just yep. wanted to let everyone know that. Oops, ups. Mm-hmm. But you have any um. Kind of an, some more initial thoughts on this particular one that when you were listening to them, what kind of were some of the things you're thinking about when you're listening to Precambrian? Yeah, I mean, I was caught off guard a few times in a good way, just from how uh, you know the various like changes that you would see. Um, like you know, when I first hit play on track one, I wasn't expecting it to be so like hard hitting and fast as it was, which was interesting, and then the way that it just kind of carried over after that first, uh, I guess like that first, uh, side or disc or whatever. Um, and then it just kind of became like more the sound that you would expect. Um, I thought it was super interesting. And, uh, even in that second half, um, they would kind of blend, uh, sort of the stuff that you would hear from that first half in and, yeah, they, the way that they just kind of play around with all these different sides of what they can do is super interesting. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really, a really fun and uh, surprising experience. Um, yeah, and it, it was it was overwhelming in the in a in the a really good way. I would say. I'm good. I'm glad that uh, you had a pretty positive experience with it. I mean. Yeah. It, and I know this is an, another album. This is the fourth album. So, okay. Um, once again, this, this is, I, it's weird. Cause I, I'm just starting to think of all the parallels because this is the fourth album. Both bands have quite a lineup. Mm-hmm. Even, I mean, obviously Colt Luna has a smaller lineup than yeah. this particular band, but like it's, it's quite a number of people that are in this band. Um, but yeah, no, they've, they've come a long way from this and this is definitely the turning point uh for them and i know i mentioned earlier um you know the personnel involved in this but i think the biggest standouts um from this um besides you know the different people who are all involved in this uh is robin Stapps is actually kind of the, the mastermind behind a lot of this stuff okay he was the the original founding member of the collective and then pretty much has uh, since been the, like the driving force between a lot of the, 
the the concepts kind of mm-hmm. like we were mentioning with with cult of luna and uh their their main vocalist and guitar one of their guitarists so um but yeah no it's it's really cool and they they finally got um you know um a vocalist out of this whole thing and yeah the, and that's the vocalist that would stay with them um who would go on to you know sing with um with them later on uh, i guess it's the recording debut of loic uh, rosetti which actually um maybe i'm wrong in fact in fact that i'm looking at it now um loic was not involved with this record so scratch what i just said whoops but it would mark the shift this band would yeah. go towards i got you so um yeah and i just love the amount of difference like there's there's viol- there's violins there's cellos there's saxophone right there's yeah. so many different musical it's, instruments yeah. in this keys and synth and yeah all piano kinds of, all kinds of stuff even a glockenspiel wow yeah i mean they got the fucking orchestra in there they're in there cooking mm-hmm. <laughs> they're cooking with with beef yeah but yeah this is a this is a really strong album and, and anyone who is even somewhat interested in kind of this genre in as a whole um this is definitely a very accessible album yeah um i know it's it's wild at first and then it kind of slows down but it's still wild mm-hmm. throughout but yeah it's definitely one that the more you kind of revisit it even though it is you know so long and expansive like it really just kind of you you get more and more into it the more that you go back to it i've at least in my experience mm-hmm. um but yeah i think it is very accessible it is just one of those experiences that you just can get lost in um just through you know just the sheer ambition of, of it all yeah and uh you know just like this with the, the cult of luna album we talked about um and kind of piggybacking off on what you just said is a lot of these albums reward multiple listens Mm -hmm. and, and the fact that you can revisit this and it feels just as fresh as the first time you heard it is, is quite special because I think that's, that's what makes post metal in general kind of unique is the fact that I feel like the, if you're in a particular mood, um, where you're a little bit more contemplative, yeah. I feel like, or reflective, I suppose. Mm-hmm. This is the subgenre to go to. Go to. Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, you have those like long instrumental passages too that just kind of heighten that. Uh, just give you that time to reflect, which uh, is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, you know, in the realm of heavy music, I feel like that uh, definitely uh it has a place for sure in in diversifying it yeah it's weird but like the breathing room is like you know we hear it in drone metal we hear it in post metal Mm -hmm. we hear it in like stoner rock and stoner metal there's some space between it you know the the guitar tones and the drum beat and the blast beats and and whatnot Uh uh-oh had a hiccup Mm -hmm. um we're good um but you know it's it's those things that like is what makes this so much so much fun maybe fun isn't the right word but you know enjoyable it, it's enjoyable yeah it's uh it these are two albums that once again i i it's going to be hard to 
to narrow down which ones I which one I prefer. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we can. It's good to start thinking ahead of how things might be ranked at the end of the at the mini series. Because mm-hmm. yeah, as for me myself, I I have no idea either, really. <laughs> yeah, and we're we're uh, what halfway here. Yeah. So. Yep. But uh, do you have any other final thoughts about either of these albums or anything else? Uh, I don't think so. Just beyond that, they're both really great. And I think talking about them together makes a lot of sense in a way. Um, Because, yeah, like I said at the beginning, uh, just kind of they're two good examples of how post-metal can be taken from its early stages and expanded upon. either by stripping down or just going super insane with ambition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun to be in this spot because, you know, this is, these are, these are two bands that are, I would argue probably the strongest post-metal bands now Mm -hmm. we're currently, you know, I know we mentioned ISIS and neurosis, both bands that are pretty much gone. Pretty much. Um, well, Isis retired, and um, I'm fairly certain Neurosis is retiring too. Yeah. But um, it's just, you know. Yeah. I feel it, like. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I just thinking of current Cult of Luna, they're as strong as ever. They've only gotten stronger. Yeah. And the Ocean has had renewed vigor with, you know, those last double albums and their, and their new album that's about to hit. Um, yeah, these are two bands that are like incredibly like relevant still, mm-hmm. and these are the two albums that put them on the map. Yeah, I think there's a good case to be made about these two kind of being like our current like kings of post metal. But you could make a good case for one of the bands we're talking about next week as being up there for sure. Yeah, we want to highlight what next week's going to look like. Yeah, um, in chapter three. Of our post metal essentials, we will be talking about "We Lost the Sea," "Departure Songs," and "Amun Ra" with Mass Four. Ooh, two uh, two downers. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> just to get everyone ready for that. Yeah, um, a little bit of homework for you and anyone who's listening. Mm-hmm. Definitely, when you're listening to these records, read what's going on about them. Yeah, it'll add a lot of depth. Yeah, for sure. To what you're listening to. Yeah. And um yeah, I, I'm 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 definitely uh I'm trying to think of another word that except for excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to talking about these records cuz yeah, same. Yeah. So, but yeah. Um all right, as we continue to go down this rabbit hole, uh again, Follow us over on Instagram and on Twitter. Keep up to date with us. Uh, be the first to know when new episodes drop and what our favorite new releases of every week are and what records we've been picking up and, you know, all sorts of all sorts of crazy shit. Um, but yeah, until then, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.